0: You wanna give love to the city—that's
1: a fact. But you're gonna need help if you wanna make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community.
2: Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed.
3: Hi everyone, welcome to the Well Endowed podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonking,
4: and I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network.
3: Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond.
4: On this podcast, we share the stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. It's good to see you, Elizabeth.
3: Likewise, we're experimenting with Zoom so I can get back into the hosting mix. And I'm glad to be back at it, especially for these topics that we're about to talk about.
4: Yeah, they are important ones. On this episode, we're going to take a look at the impact the COVID-19 pandemic is having on people who experience homelessness in Edmonton. But first, we want to make sure you know about an excellent resource that is being offered by the Mental Health Foundation.
3: Yeah, it's a free service called Text for Hope, where you can subscribe to receive a text message every day to help you give a little extra support during this challenging time. Here's Mark Corthius to tell us more.
5: Hi, everyone. My name is Mark Korthias. I'm the president and CEO of the Mental Health Foundation, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Uh, and I'm really happy to be here here with you today. Text for Hope is a free text messaging service um, that uses evidence-based tools, and it was created in response to the pandemic, COVID-19, that's occurring right now in our society, and so... Individuals can sign up um, to receive three months of free text messages using cognitive behavioral therapy principles. Um, and all they need to do is text 393939 and type in COVID-19 HOPE and uh, they automatically will receive daily text messages for free for three months. This is from yesterday that I got. It says, think of one thing you want to accomplish. Break it down into smaller steps. Only focus on one small step at a time, not the big goal. Um And I think you know some of these things sound overly simplistic, but particularly during these times, when your mind can go in a million different directions, it can be overwhelming. And so just a reminder like that on, on how to attack some of the challenges that exist um, and just to kind of narrow it down and have a focus on one thing at a time, I think that's those are really just important reminders that individuals receive every day through text for hope. You can go to um, www.text4the number four hope.ca, uh, and that'll provide you with uh, more detailed information about about the initiative, partners, um, and again how to receive uh, three months of free daily text messages. So text four the number four hope.ca.
4: Thanks for that, Mark. We'll have a link to text4hope.ca in our show notes
3: over 40,000 people have already subscribed to Text for Hope, which really shows the impact that COVID-19 is having on our daily lives.
4: It has been a lot. And while it's true that we're all in this together, we're not all experiencing it the same way. There are many people who were already facing serious challenges before the pandemic began, and those stressors have now been made worse and more difficult to resolve as resources are limited or removed.
3: As you're listening, you might be someone who is trying to support a loved one with special needs or you might know someone who's dealing with mental or physical illness. There are so many difficult circumstances that we face in daily life.
4: For this episode, we're going to focus on people who are experiencing homelessness. Our producer Lisa Pruden reached out to the teams at Boyle Street Community Services, Alberta Health Services, and the Boyle Macaulay Health Center to get a sense of how our vulnerable neighbors are being impacted.
3: It's a serious topic, but one that boasts a level of collaboration and compassion that our city can be proud of.
0: Uh, The last uh, few weeks since all of this uh, COVID-19 stuff began has been a very intense time and in some sense is chaotic. But from the very beginning, the response has been, how do we ensure the safety
1: of the folks that we're serving who are the most
0: vulnerable in our community?
1: This is Jordan Reiniger.
0: My name is Jordan Reiniger. I'm the executive director at Boyle Street Community Services.
1: Boyle Street Community Services is just one of several organizations here in Edmonton that support people experiencing homelessness and poverty. And as the COVID-19 situation has developed over the past several weeks, everyone in this sector has shared Jordan's experience of this intense and chaotic push to support vulnerable people.
0: Because there's a recognition if the COVID-19 were ever to sort of spread in the population of, of those folks experiencing homelessness, Given the number of health complications that exist in that population, it could be pretty devastating. And so we were working really hard uh, and have been in terms of, you know, responding to safety protocols and ensuring that all of our facilities met those and also mobilizing our resources to create other opportunities and options for folks. So in a, in a very um, quick, uh, you know, the world changed for everybody really rapidly uh, and it's no different for our organization and our staff and those that we serve. And so uh, we were responding, you know, constantly. Every day there was a new, a, a new sort of protocol that had to be put in place, new situations that demanded attention. And so it was a very intense period of time.
1: With new information coming out about the virus every day, organizations have been trying to keep pace, implementing strategies to safeguard the people they support. The challenge to maintain a safe place for people to shelter and access programs has been significant. Trying to prevent the spread of the virus has meant reducing services, leaving people with very few options for where to go. Boyle Street Community Center had to limit capacity from 400 down to just 50 people in order to maintain physical distancing. That meant that 350 people from just this one location would need to find somewhere else to go. And of course, other organizations have been met with the same challenge. Here's Cecilia Blasetti. Hi,
2: I'm Cecilia Blasetti, and I'm the Executive Director at the Boyle-McCauley Health Center in Edmonton.
1: The Boyle-McCauley Health Center has had to close several of their programs to help prevent the spread of COVID-19.
2: So I think that what what has happened with us that so we have uh, one kind of large main clinic and then we have uh nine off site programs and we have closed all of um, our off site programs with the exception of our youth clinic at iHuman because we're very concerned that the youth population will not um easily access and transfer kind of their needs to, you know, what other resources are available. So we're continuing to do a clinic there two days a week, but all of our other off-site programs we've closed.
1: Just to give a couple examples, the kinds of programs they've needed to close are ones that help provide shelter and food for women and transgendered people involved with street prostitution, and another program that help provide meals and medication for people with HIV and hepatitis C. That's just two of the nine programs that needed to close.
2: So it's been very difficult, um, first and foremost, for our clients as we have had to consolidate our resources and our staffing at our main site but also, you know, for our staff to, to not be there. So having to close those services when we know uh, full well how much people depend on that for food security and just support and, and all of those sorts of things. So it's been a really, as with, you know, most organizations and many businesses, it's been really difficult to take services away from people. It's an extremely sad time um, to be kind of down here in the, in the inner city and seeing people not having a place to be. Be. And, you know, some of that, I think, is reflected in terms of what we're hearing about people on public transit, because so much of the gathering places, the libraries, the malls, you know, all of the, the places where people could be and from out of the cold and all of those sorts of things are, are not available. So there's um, just a lot of people just wandering around. It's very sad.
1: The pandemic we are experiencing has been difficult to navigate for each of us. And as we're hearing, the impact has been especially heavy for those who depend on programs to meet their basic human needs. Here's Jordan Reiniger again.
0: But in particular, for the folks who are experiencing homelessness, the world has changed very dramatically. Uh, All of the places they would go to for support or for socializing, by and large, in very rapid fashion, all were closed or significantly limited their capacity. And so, you know, the people who had a routine or who uh, even were new to experiencing homelessness, all of a sudden, those sort of services that they relied on for survival, even the the public spaces they relied on to stay warm, were evaporating very quickly. And then, you know, a lot of fear and anxiety, you know, in the general society, there's lots of fear, lots of anxiety around COVID-19 and what it means. Um, But I There's also an incredible amount of that in our community as well, recognizing that, you know, if this were to sort of hit within their community, that that could be pretty devastating. And we rely, you know, very much on um, our smartphones and on TVs to sort of stay informed on the most up-to-date information. And there isn't that same ability necessarily in, in the population experiencing homelessness. So even just not having information and not sure about what's going on when the whole world is sort of changing around you left a lot of people feeling very anxious, obviously. And so a lot of our response has been really trying to get good information to people in a timely fashion, just so that they understand what's happening and what's going on. But um, yeah, a huge amount of anxiety and worry and uh, understandably so.
1: Sorry, just trying to wrap my head around what that must have felt like for someone in their day-to-day to have all of their resources just be gone. That's huge.
0: You know, as much as we try, I don't think we fully could ever understand what that would feel like.
1: Hearing about the increase of fear and anxiety brings us to another need, mental health resources. I reached out to Kimberly Poong. My name is Kimberly Poong. She's the Interim Director of Addiction and Mental Health with Alberta Health Services in the Edmonton area. Under this hat, she oversees all of the adult community-based addiction and mental health programs in Edmonton and area, And she manages the Injectable Opiate Agnes Program and the Opiate Dependency Program. I asked her if they'd seen an increase in need for their services. I feel
6: like right now it's kind of the calm before the storm in terms of addiction and mental health. Uh, We know that COVID is having some psychological impacts in terms of, like, social isolation and not being able to do the things uh, people would normally be used to. So we're kind of in a very quiet phase, kind of trying to get ready for the storm because we know it's going to be coming.
1: So while the demand for mental health and addiction services has remained consistent, the pandemic has also changed the way these services can be provided. Group sessions, for example, are currently on hold until accessible virtual options are implemented. And, of course, staffing is a challenge. But on the whole, these services have remained pretty well in place. Because
6: Addiction and Mental Health is considered an essential health
1: service, uh, You know,
6: we've continued to see people who are walking in looking for services, and then we're also continuing to provide those who don't necessarily... Want to come in for services, telephone treatment or uh, telehealth uh, treatment via um, virtual means. We've recently centralized access to addiction and mental health services through what's called Access 24-7 and and that continues to be open 24-7 and that, you know, via phone 24-7, they receive referrals from all over the place as well as walk-ins. People can walk in anytime 24-7 as well and so that continues to be open and then we continue to take referrals from Access 24-7. So, we're continuing to do the work just kind of just more in a different sort of way and giving people more options to do things like phone treatment Unless people are really needing to come in person or if they would like to come in person to the programs, then they can definitely do that as well. All of our clinics are equipped with the appropriate PPE um, in terms of making sure that our staff and, and the clients accessing services can all do that in a safe manner.
1: Things have been changing quickly, but organizations have been rising to the challenge. As the pandemic progressed, Boyle Macaulay Health Services ensured they were able to screen staff and clients and to offer testing to those who showed symptoms. And they had arranged for people to stay in hotels while awaiting their results. Here's Cecilia Blasetti
2: but as we uh saw the future coming and acknowledging that um first of all our population is is very vulnerable because of their kind of overall diminished health and, and um also the homelessness that uh, you know they're sleeping in shelters at night being in crowded drop-ins in the daytime that the risk is escalated just in terms of that so we began looking at other responses and and those sorts of things you know we've done a, a number of things in our main clinic we've implemented screening for everyone as, as they come in, staff and clients, all of those sorts of things. So just as, as the reality has sunk in, we've, you know, kind of stepped up our game kind of on a continuous basis in terms of how we're responding.
1: In March, the pandemic situation for vulnerable people had become scary, with access to resources and information vanishing. The community needed to pull together, and fast. Here's Kimberly Pung again. Because not only is she the Interim Director of Addictions and Mental Health with Alberta Health Services, she also led Edmonton's Zone Operational Emergency Centre, or ZEOC.
6: Each area in the province, each zone has a ZEOC, and so I was redeployed out of my role and into a role with the ZEOC, and then that also led to me being the lead for AHS.
1: AHS is Alberta Health Services.
6: In terms of looking at how we could respond and support the homeless population amidst the pandemic. So that's been a huge whirlwind, Um, you know, and starting that off, it was just, it was really about trying to figure out where all of the agencies were at and then try to kind of collaboratively um, pull pull everything together. I mean, and it wasn't necessarily AHS leading the initiative. It was more about how could we best support what uh, the agencies and services were were willing to do.
1: They were willing to do whatever it took. The most notable example was the transition of the Edmonton Expo Centre into a drop-in and self-isolation centre. Here's Cecilia again.
2: I feel like the the, um, putting together and creating the Expo Centre, we were asked on a Thursday to uh, join and work to create this. And by Monday, we actually had the doors opened and accepted our first clients into the isolation shelter area so it was a huge undertaking and as a smaller um, community-based organization not used to um, all of the uh, power and uh, capacity of you know the city and expo center and alberta health services it was really amazing to to work together with them i think you get it up and running and then all of the realities of, of making this sustainable, keeping it going in terms of staffing and managing, um, you know, a client population that's struggling with mental illness and substance use and stuff in a setting where they have to, you know, stay sometimes for as much as 14 days. There's a lot of challenges, but we need way more staff at a time when other people are, you know, cutting back. So we're working in partnership with Boyle Street, Bissell, you know, Alberta Health Services, and of course, all the people at the at the Expo Center and the city. And so, you know, it just is just so amazing how special and, and the staff are, are really uh, stepping up. So, you know, it's it's just a so so mixed feeling. You feel very sad for, for our population and yet just so inspired by the, the people on the front lines doing the work. Jordan
1: told me more about the expo centre itself.
0: There's two parts to the expo. Uh, one is the sort of isolation shelter, so the place where uh, folks who have nowhere else to go but need to self-isolate or need to quarantine can go because uh, that was a huge issue at the beginning. Uh, we were, all of us in the in, around the community were receiving people who were having symptoms and they had nowhere to go to self-isolate. So th- that was a big challenge and that was one that was met by the Expo. Um, so the huge public ch- health uh, response there. The other side of it is a day shelter because, you know, with libraries and malls and all these different things closing where people were regularly going. We needed to find a place that people could just go and be, especially with the weather the way it was. And so the day shelter was sort of that response um, to ensure that people had a place they could go, they could, you know, we've got places for them to sleep during the day if they need to do that, have a good meal uh, and still, you know, critically access the services they need. And so, you know, we've been pretty much at capacity since we opened. When we opened at first, that first day, which was last Monday, you know, just a real sense of pride and uh, everybody pulling together, the, the province, the city, Alberta Health Services, and all of the agencies to sort of come together and make that happen in such a quick turnaround. It was quite a remarkable feat. It was has been a really important response for, for our folks to make sure we can keep them safe. And so just that spirit of collaboration that we, we knew has existed in the inner city, but um, just being able to see that come to the forefront you know, it's been really, um, really incredible.
1: The shelter opened on March 23rd with the help of nine organizations. Boyle Street Community Services, Alberta Health Services, Will Macaulay Health Centre, Bissell Centre, Homeward Trust, the Mustard Seed, the George Spady Society, the Government of Alberta, and the City of Edmonton. The collaboration was one of the most rewarding parts for Jordan, Cecilia and Kim.
6: Everyone was willing to do whatever it took. It was just amazing, the collaboration. Like, it actually gives me goosebumps just because of how willing and able, like, there were no barriers. We were all willing to just get the work done to get things open. And there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, too, um, throughout the process. When I look back on that experience, it was almost like we were our own little family because we spent so much time together together. Um, you know, late nights together ordering food um, and just trying to figure out um, how to best make it work for for the homeless population.
1: I asked Jordan and Cecilia what the rest of us can be doing to help. Of course, funding is a great need just now. Because in-kind donations like clothing aren't safe for the time being, donating money is greatly appreciated if you're able to contribute in that way. But the biggest takeaway for how to help was just Compassion.
0: One of the concerns that we had, and you know, I think continue to have, is uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the, the folks that we serve, and um, a lot of prejudice even about um, them, and you know why they're homeless and, and what's going on. And so, you know, there was a worry that. That a pandemic like this, for instance, the fear of, of our population, the homeless community, could be even exacerbated because people would be worried off. Oh, I, I can't get too close because maybe I'll get the COVID nineteen. And frankly, it's the opposite. I mean, our community was the least likely to to get it because it's mostly was mostly travel related. So we were really trying to protect them from it. So I think you know, as people are making comments online and you know the social media stuff that's going out there, just keeping in the back of our mind that community and um, making sure that we're pushing get back against those sort of uh, prejudice comments that might be out there. Uh, That's a huge thing that people can do. Um, Obviously volunteering is a difficult thing at this time. Um, So, you know, when we make those sort of targeted asks for, for donations, I mean, really it's those kinds of resources that make the big difference for us right now. Um, knowing that not everybody, obviously, there's a lot of people who are in a position where that they just need to take care of their family. And we totally understand and respect that. And, and that's the first priority. But, you know, when we do have those asks, if people have a little extra uh, that they can give, you know, that's, that's right now the biggest, uh, the biggest factor for us.
2: I think so much of us, our world and our society is reflected on, you know, how we step up and are are kind to those of us who are struggling the most so I feel like more than ever we just really need to be with that mindset that you know when we hear others talking in that us versus them and um, being afraid and critical um, uh, about our vulnerable populations that are so obvious out in the world right now because they have no place to go, that if we can challenge those things and replace them with a, a different perspective, I, I think just helpful to just engage in, in different kinds of conversations that are more positive.
1: I'm going to close the story with a tweet. Back on April 7th, at CDN Melody tweeted about her son asking if there is help for Edmonton's homeless. She said, My son is homeless, an addict, and needs to social distance for two weeks before I can bring him home. And thanks to the efforts of so many organizations and the incredible, inspiring staff that continue to come in every day, the answer was yes, there is a safe place he can go.
4: Thanks very much to all our guests today, Jordan Ranagar, Executive Director of Boyle Street Community Services,
3: Kimberly Poong, Interim Director of Addiction and Mental Health with Alberta Health Services,
4: and Cecilia Blazetti, Executive Director of Boyle Macaulay Health Services.
3: We certainly appreciate all the amazing work happening in our community. We have all sorts of links in our show notes for the organizations you've heard about today and others who collaborate to end homelessness.
4: Check out our show notes for links to those resources and to our ECF Student Awards.
3: You can find out how to apply to the Belcourt Brasso Métis Awards, the Winspear Scholarship for Advanced Classical Music, the Reynold and Vera Sheeran Memorial Scholarships, and the Edmonton Refugee and Emerging Communities Awards.
4: Deadlines are approaching, so be sure to check those links out today.
3: Well, that brings us to the end of the show.
4: Thanks so much for sharing your time with us.
3: We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, be sure to share it with your friends.
4: Write about it in your letters.
3: Make a picture to post on your door.
4: We're just trying to help you pass the time. Of course, you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find us.
3: And come visit us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures.
4: Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul.
3: And Elizabeth Bonking. Until Until next next time. (laughs) The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation.
4: And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network.
3: The show is edited by Lisa Pruden.
4: You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com.
3: Subscribe to us on iTunes.
4: And follow us on Twitter at the ECF.
3: Our theme music is by Octavo Productions.
4: And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.